0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriter's Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriter's Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, good to be back on the podcast with you.
1: Yeah. Good to be back with you, Nathan. How you doing?
0: I'm doing good. And I am excited. This is one of my favorite subjects in copywriting that you sent me over the show notes. And this is one of my favorite parts of copywriting. And so I'm just going to hand it over to you and let you take it away.
1: Sounds good. You know, one of my best performing sales letters took me three months to write. And I'm usually a pretty fast writer, but a big part of the time that it took to write it had little to do with the headline or the rest of the copy. And the letter crushed it literally. We broke the server the first day. This was for a small company and total sales were over $1 million on their mentoring program. I had written the sales letter for. Now, to prepare for this letter, I sought out stories from people in the marketplace who would end up being prospects and customers for the mentoring program. And when I did the interviews, talking to people who were very different from me. I learned things about their motivations and their preferences that never would have occurred to me on my own. I don't think the letter would have broken $1 million in sales or sold out in three days if I hadn't done the work to get these stories from prospective customers. I also don't think it would have done me any good at all to tell the people I was interviewing this, copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Now, what I want to talk about today is sort of a a fusion between two things we've talked about before. Uh, One is interviewing skills, and the other is stories and storytelling. What I'm talking about here is not necessarily getting stories that you're going to include word for word in your copy, although you might. What I'm talking about is getting in conversations deep enough with enough engagement and rapport and trust so that you can get various people in your marketplace to tell you their stories. And many people think the main reason you want to do this is to get testimonials and case studies material. And no problem with using stories that way, but I strongly disagree that those are the only important reasons to get these stories. Let me give you a couple other two right off the bat. First, stories from their mouths into your ear will increase your understanding of how the product came about or the service came about, how it was made, how customers use it, how they like it, how they see it, all of which is going to help you write better and sell better. And second, when you get firsthand stories actually talking to people, you may get additional ideas from their actual words for benefits like bullets and angles, hooks, leads, big ideas that you hadn't thought of before. Because as good as your imagination is, the whole world does not exist inside your mind, no matter what your favorite spiritual guru or clergy member has told you. There are other things going on and you need to get out there and find out what they are. Now, a lot of people screw this up and there are three ways I've discovered. One way they screw it up is simply not doing it and thinking doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. A second way is they ask stories like they're checking off a box on a list. They don't dig deep enough. They don't really, they phone it in, pun intended. They They don't really get engaged. And the third way they screw it up is they get stories that bore their readers. Again, which comes from not doing it or or not digging deep enough. And there are ways to fix this, and here's how. Uh, You want to talk to more people than like three customers or, you know, uh, four clients. You want to talk to... A lot of people, you want to talk to anyone who has had any experience with or any potential to buy the product. You want to talk to the designer, the inventor, the owner of the business, the salespeople, the customers, and of course, the prospects. And the reason to talk to the prospects besides, um, you know, to sort of get into their mindset in general is to figure out the level of sophistication and the stage of awareness of the market. The reason for that is if they already know a lot about your product, let's say you're selling life coaching. They don't know what life coaching is. You've got a lot more to explain in your copy as part of an educational portion than if they do. Um, So sophistication and stage of awareness, you can calibrate those by talking to people. Remember another thing, the product lives in a world of its own and it's different unless you are pretty much that prospect, that creator and that product, the world of the product is different from the one you live in. And so your job is to find the best parts of that world and communicate it very convincingly to prospects in your copy. So...
0: I also like to, and I don't know if you mentioned this or not, I also like to talk to previous buyers. So mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm writing for a coach or a consultant or uh, somebody who's a service provider, I want to talk to their clients. If I'm talking to somebody who's a product producer, I want to talk to their previous um, customers. And getting the stories from them, one of the things that I really get out of that is I get to hear... It from their point of view. I get to hear the way they were feeling. I get to hear the transformation, the frustrations, and I get to hear it in their words. And being able to, even if I'm not going to use their story word for word, I start hearing repeated phrases. I start hearing repeated words. And then I'm like, okay, this is something that's going to connect with my market. I need to make sure that when I'm talking about it, I'm using these same words that they're using as well.
1: Yeah. Um, a couple of really good points there, Nathan. One is the market has a language of its own same words as the rest of us use, but they put those words together in a certain way that really resonates with them. And you might only be able to guess what that is until you talk to people. The second is, you know, how in weight loss ads, they have these before and after pictures, um, you're gonna get verbal before and after pictures from talking to, to previous buyers, which you may not use, but which may help you understand where were they when they were looking forward to the transformation and where are they afterwards. That's going to really help you get a good frame. So I, I, I like what you said a lot. Um, but you know, a lot of writers don't do this. They start with a product description or with the product itself, and then they start writing bullet points. And here's the problem with that. Again, getting to the world of the product, what's going on with them is they're unconsciously assuming or maybe very consciously insisting that the world the product lives in is exactly the same one they live in. I was recently helping a client with a a promotion he's writing for a protein powder. And while there are a lot of different markets that he can go after with this particular piece, his market was women. And we talked about the people he's had conversations with and what was on their minds. And that led to some really good insights and really good ways to, to pump up the copy, to increase the power. So how do you talk to people? Right. Um, a lot of people think, especially introverted writers who would rather write than talk. Is that you? Uh, not you, Nathan, but is that you? Um, if, you might think that they'd rather not do this. Um, and so they'll give it as little time and a priority as possible if they do it at all. But this is a skill and a skill set you kind of want to develop if you're going to become a better copywriter. Um, and here are some tips. When you do this, and this is a mistake a lot of people make, so don't make it. Don't apologize or be timid. Instead, be appreciative and enthusiastic. Let The person you're talking to know that you appreciate that they're talking to you and what they have to say is vitally important to getting the product in more people's hands. So what you're doing instead of ping pong, you know, setting up an adversarial conversation is you're enlisting them as a partner. You're bringing them over to your side of the table or the ping pong table. You get them on your side. You let them know that it's their job. To help you out and that you need them. And a surprising number of people will help you. Some won't, but most will. Um, You want to be really interested in what they have to say. You want to listen well. Then follow up, ask questions, drill down, get them to be specific. And what you're doing is not looking solely for facts. You obviously want facts, but facts are markers between emotions. You want to know the emotions, frustration, despair, anger, feeling of resignation, breakthrough, optimism, victory, happiness, elation. Okay. Here's an interesting way to look at it. You sort of like uh, as a triangle and you're on all three points of the triangle. You are the triangle (laughs) because at this, your point, this point, your job is to be flexible and resourceful as a combination of a detective, a psychiatrist, and a reporter. That is, you're looking for clues. You don't, unlike the, um, you know, a prosecuting attorney in a court who knows the answer to the question before he or she asks that question. You're just the opposite. You don't know the answers. You don't even know where you're going. You're looking for clues. And from the clues you get, you ask questions to discover other clues. Now, I know this can be uncomfortable at first, but if you're genuinely curious and open, you get your ego out of the way. You don't pretend to be the world's expert about anything, except you're good at writing copy and you're trying to find out some more information. It'll be a lot easier than if you're trying to be, like, the um, smartest person in the room. Okay, if the answer to the question, what's the best way to sell this offer, were obvious, then your client, or if you're writing your own copy, you would already be using it, and your prospect wouldn't need you. So the reality is sometimes the answer is hiding in plain sight, but you have to turn over a lot of rocks to find it. And Nathan, you mentioned this before, but I want to reiterate it because it's so important to you know, getting high conversions. The other thing you get from seeking out these stories is the language of the people in the market, the specific words they use, the specific phrases they use. When you know these words and phrases and you can use them as though they were your own in the copy, your prospects will trust you and you'll sell more.
0: What is it that you're looking for when you're interviewing people? What is it that you go into an interview uh trying to get out of them and how do you go about digging for that stuff
1: well you know as a as a journalist um i would be looking for the truth but that's not really what i'm looking for as a copywriter i'm i'm looking for their truth which is usually an opinion or a point of view or a feeling i'm looking for the way they describe their experience um, with the product or their experience with the situation that they're in that would make them an ideal prospect for the product. It's, It's a very subjective thing, but I'm looking for emotions, opinions, highly energized speech. Does that make sense? Yeah, perfect. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000-ahead seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. Okay. So let's talk about the kind of questions to ask. I was trained as an interviewer early growing up in a Jewish household. Well, that's (laughs) true. Uh, No, But professionally, I was trained as an interviewer early as a student journalist. I was editor of my high school paper. I was on my college paper, and then I went into journalism. So I learned a lot about this. Actually, I didn't really learn this until I got some kind of training and coaching and um, some hypnosis and NLP training and some just good communication training, but you want to ask open-ended questions, especially when questions, when did you first notice? And, and, you know, if you can get people to think about a specific time and what was that like, how are you feeling? What did you, what was the situation? Things like that. The ultimate goal here is to get people to remember a time when something emotionally compelling happened or, or, they had an emotional reaction to something, especially a problem that your product can solve. One thing about this I want to point out, and I've been in this case myself when I feel like, you know, I might be sitting on a ticking time bomb talking to somebody is people are afraid of digging deeper. Asking more about the same story, thinking the person will say, "Well, I already told you that," or "What more is there to say?" Or, you know, they're going to blow up at you or, or snap at you. People are afraid to say, "Tell me more about this," or how that make you feel?" But here's the thing: most of the time, if you're gen, if you're not reading it off a script, if you're genuinely interested, if it comes from your own curiosity inside you, and you're really listening, people will most of the time be willing to spend a lot of time talking things out. It's almost like free therapy to them. (laughs) And one tip is to record this. Ask for permission. Let them know you're doing it. Let them also know you won't be doing anything with what they said until you have a chance to go over it and edit it if need be. Only then will you even show it to them for their approval. And it's always a good idea to get written approval before you quote someone in an Add or use this in a case study. Now, here's, here's a tip pro tip. one thing to look for is the elephant in the room. Usually with every product or every problem, every situation, there's something uncomfortable to talk about or uncomfortable for a lot of people, even to be clearly aware of more comfortable to stay in denial about. And this won't come up in an email survey or, you know, in a series of Quick questions. Sometimes you need a wide ranging conversation, and then you hear something you realize nobody's talking about. But if you did in the right way in your copy, it would give you a clear advantage. Uh, This takes time and some careful thinking after you find out what the elephant in the room is, but it can really be worth the effort.
0: I've noticed also a lot of times people give you a very surface level answer the first time you ask them something and even sometimes the second time, but if you ask them, so how did that make you feel or can you explain that a little bit more or what was that like exactly? By the time you get to maybe the second or the third time, then they start opening up then they start actually giving you the answer that you were looking for. So um, if you do what you said, sometimes people just go in with a checklist If you do it that way, you're not going to get any of the deep, really juicy stuff.
1: Yeah. And, you know, one thing to think about is how you're coming across. It's really important. If they feel like they're being quizzed by a teacher and they don't have the answer, they're going to get real defensive. But if they feel like you're interested in them almost like a friend, or just, you know, like a curious writer who really wants to know how they look at it, man, that, that'll change things. That, and and I've, I've had that experience because I've, I've done it both ways. And I've also noticed when people are asking me questions and when they're genuinely interested versus where they're trying to stump me, whether, how it feels, whether they are trying to do that or not, what a difference there is. So let's look at what you want to get. Of course you want to get testimonials and case studies. And you do. I'm I'm not even saying there's anything wrong with that. I think it's a good idea. But there are other things you want to get. You want to get little slice of life stories that maybe maybe you're going to be talking about how someone's life is going to be different in the future after they've used your product or used your service and So you can imagine it, but if you can have a person describing it, whether or not you actually quote them, if you can use the same words and evoke the same feeling that their words evoked when you heard them, that can be different. Little slice-of-life stories come from much bigger slice-of-life stories. The old saying, quantity leads to quality, is really true here. Um, A great example is Claude Hopkins um Claude Hopkins and his famous story about Schlitz beer you know uh he was going around the factory and he didn't uh know what he was looking he he knew what he wanted he wanted something he could say that would make the public believe that Schlitz was in some ways a bitter beer to drink than other the other 14 beers that were ahead of it in market share because it was number 15 And he found out that they steam clean each bottle four times when it gets returned to the factory. And the guy at the factory said, well, everybody does that. And Claude Hopkins says, yeah, but nobody else talks about it. And so after getting all these stories, he chose that one, and he drove them up to number one in the market. Um, That's a really good story. You don't always know what you're looking for, but you should stay alert so you'll know it when you get it. And so what else you're looking for is colorful language. And I don't just mean profanity. I mean, excitement, anger, enthusiasm, insistence. When someone says, this has to be, you need to, that's colorful language too. And you want to you listen for that because that indicates really strong feeling and a high level of conviction. Um, descriptions of vivid images, effort, sweat, midnight oil. <sighs> breathing a great sigh of relief. Those are some of the things that you want to get.
0: So I feel like you've given us a great, a great foundation for how to get some good stories out of people, how to collect a lot of this stuff and put it together. What do you do once you've gotten it all compiled?
1: Okay. That's, that's a good question. Well, first of all, um, you, you look at, each piece of, of what you've gotten. And you say, where does this fit into the puzzle? You know, how could I use this? Okay. I don't think I'm going to quote this person, but would this be a good bullet point? Would this be a good subhead? Would this be a good description of what it's like when you're having the problem, even if you don't want to use the person's name? So you, you, you look at it that way. The second thing is you just sort of sink into it and you say, okay, so this is actually the world of the people who need this product and, and this is how they're feeling. And and you write from that point of view. You write to someone like that. I think that's, that's the best way you do it. Um, editing is everything. So if you, you know, people often tend to talk in very repetitive, non-concise ways. So what you want to do is you want to boil it down while keeping it conversational. The end result you're looking for is when someone reads your copy or reads one of those stories in your copy, they'll get a feeling that will draw them closer to the product, draw them closer to wanting it and to buying it. And if you're going to actually use a story in a case study or as a testimonial, two things. One is you need to get permission, written permission, especially if it's not the business owner that, you know, the person, your client who's, who tells the story. And secondly, you want to credentialize the person who's telling the story. Now credentialize doesn't mean to make them the most important person in your copy. It means to say something about them that will maximize their credibility. So if you're, if you're selling a gardening product, if you're selling a hoe, then you know you, you might say, Daniel, who has um, uh, been gardening for 25 years, um, says this hoe helped him clear things out of the ground that he wasn't able to get with any of his other gardening tools. That 25 years, that gardening, making making something, uh, the credentializing needs to be relevant to show that that person knows what they're talking about.
0: Okay, nice. David, another fantastic episode. Man, we covered a lot in this. If people want to check out more of the Copywriter's Podcast, where can they go to get more episodes?
1: They should go to copywriterspodcast.com dot com. ComperersPodcast.com.
0: All right, man. Until next time, we will catch you later.
1: All right. See you later. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on GarfinkelMedia.com and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to GarfinkelMedia.com and fill out the form. That's GarfinkelMedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.